right, Bon, I hear you over there. Amen. I want to acknowledge all of you who are here today. And thank, again, I'm staying from the beginning, so I don't have to say again. Thank all of you for coming out and sharing with my birthday uh, on yesterday and this past week. Uh, you know, uh, I'm not a big birthday guy, but I appreciate all that was done to make it special. And some people really went out of their way uh, to make that a special day. So and I want to thank all of you for being a part of that uh, again. And uh, I always love you for the things you do for me and uh, that you don't have to. But I appreciate all the cards and all the things. I didn't have time to open them all last night, so I'll get around to them. But I want to thank you here now. Amen? Amen. Okay, the Bible says this. Luke 6, 35 and 36 says, love your enemies. Somebody say enemies. enemies. <laughs> Man, God make it hard for us. You know, it'd be neat if you say love your friends, love your family. But he said love your enemies. You know, he'd go one step further. Do good to them. Lend to them without expecting to be repaid. Now, I know, you know, I know most of y'all ain't doing that for no enemy. Some of them won't even do it for friends or family. So God has a higher standard than we have, amen? He said, then your reward from heaven will be very great, and you will truly be acting as children of the Most High. When you love your enemy, lend to them, when you do those things, you'll be acting like your father. Amen. Now look what it says. You'll be acting as children of the Most High, for he is kind. Somebody say kind. kind. He is kind to those who are unthankful and wicked. Your father is, not you. Your father is. He said your father is kind to those who are unthankful and wicked. So if he's un he's kind to those type folk, then we have no choice but to be kind to folk. Amen. Amen. He said, you must be compassionate just as your father is compassionate. Amen. You may be seated. Well, this is our second sermon in a little series that we have entitled, you know, Agents of Kindness. Agents of Kindness. And I said my objective in this series has been to exhort you to personify God's kindness in the world by being an agent of kindness. In other words, we are to act as an organized body that display and represent God's kindness in the world. In other words, if kindness is going to be shown in this earth, it's going to have to come from one of us. Amen? Can I get another amen with that? I told you last week, you've been enlisted. You're part of the AOK force. Amen? You know, you, you, you've been enlisted. You're in the force whether you want to accept it or not. And so now that you know you're in the force, you need to just be a good agent. Amen. Amen. Now look at this. An agent is a person who acts on behalf of another person or group. In our case, we are acting on God's behalf. Amen. Kindness is defined this way. The quality of being considerate, friendly, gracious, and generous. Definition two, a state of being that includes the attributes of loving affection, sympathy, empathy, patience, pleasantness, goodness, and courteous. Kindness is the opposite of being neglectful, harsh, rude, sharp, bitter, resentful, and indifferent. So kindness is the quality, a quality that is shown in the way a person speaks, our vocal or our written, I told you last week, sometimes your text, you got a text for it with kindness. 
Amen. When you, when you want to send that text out, it got to be with. And by the way you act. It, look at this. It is more volitional, meaning a matter of your will, than it is emotional, your feelings. So when it comes to kindness, your feelings ain't got nothing to do with it. How you feel should not determine whether you're going to be kind. Amen. So genuine kindness is rooted, that's rooted in love goes far beyond just mere pretense and insincere politeness. Genuine kindness will often demand, you know, some of your personal time. Genuine kindness will sometimes, you know, demand your personal talents, your gifts. Genuine kindness sometimes will demand your personal treasure. Sometimes when you're kind to people, you may have to sacrifice some things for people. Amen? So my prayer is that as agents of kindness that we will meet God's demand for genuine kindness. Amen? Last week we talked about kindness with Joseph and we talked about Ruth and Naomi. So today we're going to kind of, you know, go a little deeper into this kindness thing. And so if you would, go to 1 Samuel chapter 15. And when I get there, I'll read 2 through 6. But if you wasn't here last week, in order for you to kind of follow the thought process, I encourage you to go back and listen to On Demand or even on our podcast so you can kind of see where we're headed and where we're uh, going. So here in Samuel 15, 1 Samuel 15, is another one of those passages that reveal to us again that God has a way of rewarding kindness. The Bible says God is not unrighteous to forget kindness shown to his people. And here we find the prophet Samuel taking, talking to King Saul and giving him a message from the Lord and how he was about to settle a debt with the Amalekites. And see, the Amalekites were the people who attacked Israel from behind when they was leaving out of Egypt. You know, they, was, they didn't have a standing army. Some of them were tired, some of them was weary because they was on this long journey. And this particular nation, instead of showing them kindness, they attacked them from behind. And so God is saying, Saul, it's time for me to settle that debt. But we're going to see in here that there was a group of people that helped Israel. They was called Kenites. And because they were around the area where the Amalekites were, Saul was told to go and let them know in advance so they can get out of the way of what's coming. Because I, God was trying to say, I'm going to show them the kindness that they showed my people when my people was leaving Egypt. They showed them kindness. Now I'm about to reward kindness. Now I like this story because the Kenites are uh, descendants of Jephro. Moses' father-in-law. Jephro was a Cushite, what we call modern-day Ethiopia. So these Kenites was a good possibility that God was looking out for some Africans, some folk that look like me and you. It is a good possibility because Moses married the Ethiopian woman and his brother and sister got mad. And as a result, Miriam got leprosy. So, so God has never had a problem 
with people of African. Y'all better hear me today. And, and so what I try to do when I talk about stories like this, I try to find us in the Bible. Because sometimes people can paint another picture of us in the Bible that is not necessarily true. And so every now and then, if y'all don't mind it, I will Afrocentronize the Bible. Because I have been Europeanized longer. Let me read this. I wasn't supposed to go there. That wasn't in my notes. But anyway, look at this. Are y'all in 1 Samuel 15? He said, look, this is what the Lord of Heaven's army has declared. I have decided to settle account with the nation of Amalek for opposing Israel when they came out of Egypt. Somebody said, going to settle the account. Now look what he tells us all. Now go and completely destroy. Somebody said, completely destroy. The entire Amalekite nation. And this is where I had to really say only God can be doing something like this. Because even Bolden would have... Me and God wrestle with this. Because, man, God said, now go and complete the entire nation. Men, women, children, babies, cattle, sheep, goats, camels, and donkeys. God must know something about folk that we just don't know. He may know what folk going to grow up to be. And since these people have been battling God's people and treating them wrong for over 400 years, these were some bad folk. And so from God's point of view, he wanted to, somebody said completely. You know, every now and then when God is trying to do something in your life to get something out of your life, he don't want to do a halfway job. He wants to get some things from you come. But we, we always allow things that God wants to get rid of in our lives completely, we want to leave a little bit of it. That's what Saul did. Saul wanted to leave a little bit. He wanted to spare the king and keep some of the best gold and some of the best this. And God said, no, I don't want none of that stuff. Destroy them, come. God done told you, I, I, I want to get this all the way out of your life, but you got to destroy it, come. You got to stop trying to hold on to something that I'm trying to get rid of. Because the longer you hold on to it, the more it's going to keep you from going where I want you to go. So some things he want to do completely. And if you let him do it completely, you don't have to keep getting delivered every week, every month, every year. We got to have a service just for your deliverance when God said, I want to come. So Saul mobilized his army at Telem. There were about 200,000 soldiers from Israel and 10,000 from Judah. Then Saul and his army went down to the Amalekites and lay wait in the valley. Now look at this. Saul sent this warning to the Kenites. Somebody say the Kenites. He said, now move away from where the Amalekites live or you will die with them. You know, if you don't move away from some stuff, you're going to die with the stuff that you're living with. If you don't some things in your life, you just got to move. Because if you don't move away from it, you're going to die. Oh, I know y'all didn't want to hear that today. Because he said, or oh, you will die with them. Then he tell them why he want them to move and get out of the way. He says, for you show kindness. Somebody say kindness. You show kindness to all the people of Israel when they came from Egypt. 
So the Kenites, them Africans, had some sense. They packed up and left. Now God didn't have to give them that warning, but he was rewarding their kindness. So what I want you to see is that you're going to have to trust God as an agent of kindness. If you do what is required of you when it comes to being kind, God will reward your kindness. Amen. Now look at this. In 2 Samuel chapter 9, my next turn, here we see King David showing kindness to King Saul's grandson, you know, who, who was the son of Saul's son, Jonathan. Some of y'all may know the story that, you know, when, when Saul was trying to kill David, David became good friends with his son, Jonathan. They were so close that when Saul made a plan, Jonathan would go back and reveal the plan to David. So that his father couldn't capture him and couldn't kill him. So Jonathan became very, very close. And Jonathan had accepted the fact that one day David was going to be the king. And so what happened was, is that because Jonathan was so friendly and so nice and so kind to David, David had made a vow to him that when I become king, I'm going to be kind to you and your family. Because it was normal, normal that if once you become king, you exterminate everybody else that could probably come against the throne. And if you understand, Saul was a Benjamite. God was changing the throne from Benjamin to Judah. And them Benjamites had a reason to want to take some revenge because they would have felt like the throne belonged to. So David had a right to go out and wipe out some Benjamites. But he decided because of the kindness of Jonathan that he would not wipe them out. And so Jonathan has a son that's kind of living below his privilege. But because of the kindness of his father, he's about to get blessed. Some of y'all may be blessed not because of what you've done, but it may be because of what your grandmama did, what your mama did, what somebody else did. You are the recipient of kindness. Y'all hear me today? Look at this in verse 1. It says, one day David asked, is anyone in Saul's family still alive? Anyone whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake. So he summoned a man named Simba, who had been one of Saul's servants. He was like the, the keeper of Saul's property because called the king, so he had a lot of stuff. He was king. He says, are you Zimba? The king asked. He said, yes, sir, I am. Zimba replied. The king then asked, is anyone still alive from Saul's family? If so, I want to show God's kindness to them. Now, David was about to be God's agent for kindness. He said he wanted to show God's kindness, but God was going to use him to carry out that act of kindness. When God wants to show kindness in earth, he's looking for you. Amen. When you're praying for someone else and asking God to bless them and meet their needs and you know you can, you may be that act of Yes one, yes, one of Jonathan's son is still alive. He is crippled in both feet. Then David asked, where is he, the king asked. In Lodabar, Zimba told him. 
at the home of Micaiah and Amiel, son of Amiel. So David sent for him and brought him from Micaiah's home. His name was Mephibosheth. He was Jonathan's son and Saul's grandson. When he came to David, he bowed down to the ground in deep respect, showing humility. He, after all, David was the king. So David said, greetings, Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth replied, I am your servant. You know, he saw himself just like Joseph's brothers saw themselves. They didn't know at the time they was the recipient of kindness. At the time, he didn't know. So all he saw himself as a servant, and he saw him less than, himself less than a servant. And what I want you to see here, you're going to have to see yourself like God see you. You can't see yourself like people see you. Now look at this. He says in verse 7, David replied, don't be afraid. Don't y'all remember that from last week? When Job had to calm his brother down, Major, say, don't be afraid. Man, I'm your brother. Don't be afraid. I'm the king. Don't be and I told y'all last week that I think this is worth repeating. Y'all need to give somebody peace in the world by just telling them, don't be. Because there's some folks walking around afraid of you. And you need to tell them, hey, I'm about to show some kindness to you. Don't be. People shouldn't tremble, Charlie, when you come around. You need to tell them, don't be. I ain't getting no amens right there. <laughs> I ain't getting no amens. Ain't nobody going to help me out today, Charlie. I thought I'd call on you, man. You'll Somebody ought to say, you know, come on, don't be a... You know, some of y'all just need to tell your children that. When you, when you come in the room, they scurry like a little rat. You need to don't... Don't be afraid. And so what we have to understand when we show kindness, sometimes we just need to tell people, don't be afraid. Look what he says. I intend to show kindness to you because of my promise to your father, Jonathan. I will give you all the property that once belonged to your grandfather, Saul, and you will eat here with me at the king's table. Now, when you look deeper in that, that wasn't just an invite for dinner. That was the invite for sonship. You know, I, I'm in the process of adopting you. And so every time I sit down to eat, you eat. Wherever I am, you can be there. I, I don't care how you see yourself now because it's not important how you see you. It's important how I see you. And I'm telling you, you got access to my table. You know, you know, when people can come to your house and sit down and eat at your table, that's a special privilege. And so when he's saying, look here, you don't have to worry about it. I done gave you all the land that your granddaddy owned. I done gave you everything you have. But in, in spite of all that, you'll still be apart from me. But now I'm going to make it so you can eat at my table and still own all the property that you Man, y'all got to get that thing in your spirit. You can eat at my table. That's kind of like we Gentiles who have been engrafted into the body. Because we're not Jews. And one day the Lord through Jesus said, you can eat at my table. Even though you can't trace your roots directly back to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, because of Jesus, you can eat 
at my table. You better hear me today. Because of Jesus, you got access to a table that you didn't have access to before. But now you can, don't have to be afraid. You can eat at the Lord's. Some of y'all are eating below your privileges. You just don't know who done invited you to the table. You just don't know who done adopted you into the family. And you look here, I've learned through some experience in life that adopted children get the same rights as natural. I thought that thing worked the other way around until my daddy died and my sister had a daughter that she adopted. And when we got to the lawyer's office, my kids thought that they was higher in the pecking order because they came through me. But they found out that, hey... Your cousin is higher in the pecking order because she's the heir of your sister. And everything that was belonged to your sister now belongs to her. <laughs> I just thought I'd make that real to you. Because some of y'all don't realize we got the same privilege, we got the same rights that the Jews got because we have been a into the family of God so we can eat at the king's table. We got access to the throne of God. We got all the rights and privileges and the promises that he promised anybody else. You have access to them. Now that you know that, I don't want you to see yourself how Mephibosheth saw himself. Look what he says. He bowed, Mephibosheth bowed respectfully and exclaimed, who is your servant that you should show kindness such kindness to a dead dog like me. See, some of you have been conditioned to see yourself like a dead dog. You have been culturally engineered to see yourself like a dead dog. But I dropped by to tell you, we got to re-engineer the way you think about yourself. Because Mephibosheth still saw himself like a dead dog. A dog was a highly disrespected animal in Judaism they, because they were scavengers. Nobody liked dogs. So when you compare yourself to a dog, you're comparing yourself to the lowest degree of humanity. But here it is. A dead dog got access to the king's table. A dog that ain't going to be eating crumbs no more. Ain't going to be scavenging through trash to eat. Now he's going to eat the same thing that the king eats. Y'all better hear me today. And some of y'all need to put this in your children, that the same access that everybody else got, they got access to it. And, and they got that access because their ancestors fought for that, right? And now they need to walk in what they have achieved because someone else paved the way for them to get kindness. Amen. 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 And, and you know what, Wayne, I find out when, when it comes to accepting what God has done for you, most of it is a mindset. Because somebody has been conditioned and engineered to think of themselves in a lesser way, and because of that, they believe what someone else say versus what God say. And I don't want anybody walking out of here today seeing themselves like a dead You've been adopted. Amen. You are heirs to the throne. We got to start acting. You know, sometimes in the natural, you just hear certain names. And those names, when you hear the Rockefellers, the Kennedys, names like that, that's a certain 
mentality that come with them folk. They know their name got weight. You just hear about their name. And what you got to teach your children is that the name that you give them got weight. And that when they come into the body of Christ, they add weight to the name that you gave them. And, and they got to walk around like they are heirs to something. That they, are, they have been invited to the king's table all because you was at the table when they got saved. You already made a way for them to get to the table. Your children ought to have a way to the kingdom of God, not because of themselves, but because of you. And God will show you kindness by ensuring that your kids get saved. You just need to be kind and Oh, God, I don't know how I got there. I don't know how I got there. But look here, we got to understand, I said last week, favor is not fair. When God decides he wants to show favor to your children because of your kindness, you need to let them know how to walk in the favor that you have earned for them. Amen. They don't, you don't have to apologize because God is showing you favor. You don't have to apologize and make excuses because God is choosing to bless you in spite of you because of somebody else. We make too many apologies for what the Lord is doing for us. We need to stand on what he's doing and believe that we're entitled to every right and every privilege. Oh, God, let me move on. Well, well the, the attitude changes this next turn. This is my last one in Zechariah. In Zechariah, uh, the seventh chapter. Here we see the prophet Zechariah giving a rebuke from the Lord to the people of Israel. You know, they had gotten caught up into the act of religion and worship. They placed a lot of value on coming to church on Sunday, looking right, smiling right. They placed a lot of value on taking communion on first Sunday. You know, wearing your dresses at the right length and your pants the right way. They took a lot of value in the ceremonies of things. And so they thought that because we honor all these ceremonies, we come to church every Sunday, we hear on Wednesday night about that, man, we must be all right. But God was saying that don't equate to obedience. That don't equate to the things that may be more important to me than you coming to church. It's more important to me, yes, that you come to church, but I want to know how you're treating folk after you because he was saying, hey, you putting value on coming to church, but obviously you ain't learning nothing from going to church because what you learn in church ain't transferring out to your lifestyle. So they wanted to do another festival. They wanted to have another celebration. And God said, look, I'm tired of them. They're making the same mistake they forefathers made. I told their forefathers what I was concerned about. They ignored me. Now these rascals finna do the same so now you need to take the same warning to them that was sent to their forefathers. So look at this. Y'all in Zechariah chapter 7? He says, Then this message came to Zechariah from the Lord. Somebody say the Lord. He says, This is what the Lord of heaven's army says. This is what he, he kind of outlined what he expects of folk today. He says, Judge fairly. Treat people fair. If they come into the court system, don't be prejudiced against them because of the color of their skin, where they come from, how much money they got. So when you got to stand and judge people and you look at people, don't judge people by what you see on the outside. 
Because sometimes you have been conditioned to see less than based on what you're looking at. And so what he's saying, you got to have my heart and you're going to have to judge people fairly, not by what you done seen or, or not what you done heard. You need to get to know what you got to judge them. I was at communion last week, but you got to judge. And you got to show mercy. Somebody said show mercy. I was at communion last week, but, I, but when you're leaving, you got to show I was here on first Sunday, second Sunday, third Sunday, Wednesday night, and the fellowship. But you still got the show? Oh, God. I tell you, he makes things so plain that you can't even get around this. He said, now look, judge fairly and show mercy and kind, someone say kindness, to one another. Now you would think that would be a no-brainer. You ought to be kind to one but he's saying, the reason I tell you this is because that's more important to me than you following a ritual or a ceremony. Judge people right, don't be prejudiced, show mercy, and be kind to one another. Then he tells us how to look beyond ourselves to others. He said, now look, don't oppress widows. Because sometimes when a woman husband died, it was either to take advantage of them and hold them down especially if they had no relatives, no boys, or no sons to take care of them. And so it was easy to manipulate them, especially if, you know, if their husband did leave them a little something, something. So he said, look, don't oppress widows. Don't oppress orphans. So that means God is saying, if you look out for widows, if you look out for orphans, if you look out for foreigners, Jose is not your enemy. Don't let somebody paint him as your enemy. If he's a foreigner and we're a God-loving nation, we're supposed to not oppress Jose. Work him like a slave and then want to kick him out of the country after he done built your building. Don't oppress foreigners. I'm just trying to make it real. The way we're living at today, he cut your grass. He do all that stuff for you. Pay him the same thing you're going to pay Bolden. Don't, don't oppress foreigners. They come in here getting all our jobs. You ain't working no way. You, you, the job they got you didn't want. They had a help warning sign of there for six months. Now Jose working all of a sudden, you got a problem. He said, hey, you a child of God, you can't oppress Jose. And one neither. See, long as I left that as foreigner, y'all didn't relate to it. But now that I related right here to Florida, where they trying to put a wall around Florida and kick everybody out. Three months ago, we had foreigners scrambling, running out of this state like rats. All because we don't know how to treat. And we're a Christian state. And we don't know that God said we got to treat foreigners. I know I'm going to get in trouble now. Somebody's going to take me down off the internet. That's okay. But, 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 <laughs> so he said, don't oppress widows, often foreigners, and the Man, if you got a heart for anybody in that group and you help them, I guarantee God going to show you kindness. 
because you're dealing with people that is near and dear to his heart, and when you touch his heart, he will touch people so that they can do things for you to show you kindness. And I like this one. And do not scheme against each other. Man, can you imagine church folks scheming? That just don't seem like it go together. Church and scheming. Scheming in church. But God had to tell his own children. You know, some of y'all got big families. You know, and if you don't tell them, they'll scheme against each other. So he said, don't scheme against each other. Now look, look what he says. He says, your ancestors refused to listen to this message. Some of y'all here today refuse to listen to what God is saying. I mean, you done got stubborn, you done made your mind, you just going to shrug off everything Pastor Bowden just read. He ain't talking to me. I don't know what he's talking about. They don't even, they don't line up with mine. That ain't, can't be talking to me. Well, I just read what the Bible say. And if it's speaking to your heart, he's talking to you. But don't you shrug it off. Don't be like the ancestors. He said, look, your ancestors refused to listen to this message. They stubbornly turned away and put their fingers in their ears. <laughs> That's an insult. That's the Lord's insult you can give to a God that's talking to you. It's to put your fingers in your... You know, just think about it. If you're trying to give your little Johnny or your little Mary or your little Sue some instruction, and while you're talking, they go... And walk on by their business. you probably have a problem with that, wouldn't you? When you, when some, let's be honest right now. I know y'all sanctified and saved and filled with the Holy Ghost. But look here. If, if, little, if little Johnny, if little Mary, you tell them, giving them some instruction, tell them what to do, and they just go. You know you want to reach out and touch them. I mean, you know, back in the day, back in the day, you would just reach out. You had to draw near. I need to draw near, you need to draw near, because there's some things you're going to hear today. But see, you can't do that today. You got to take stuff from them, because you can't, you can't, y'all can't reach out. Like we did in the old days, y'all can't reach out. So you got to take their iPad and their iPhone and take their channel from them, because they got their own TV channels now, and their own, their own so you got to take that stuff from them in order to get their attention. So man, he said, look, they put their fingers in their ears to keep from hearing. Faith comes by and hearing by. When you're sitting in here, don't put your finger in your ear while Pastor Bolden reading about the orphans, the widows, the foreigners, and the poor. If you don't open your heart up to receive that, you might as well put your Look what he says. He was talking about their ears, but their problem was their hearts. They made their hearts as hard as stone so that they could not hear the instruction or the messages that the Lord of heaven's armies had sent by the Spirit through the earlier prophets. That is why the Lord of the heavens of armies was so angry with them. Look at this. Since they refused to listen when I call to them, I will not listen when they call to me. Sister, 
the Lord of heaven's army. What he's telling you, Brother Mose, he said you better unstop your ears. You know, he said if you keep your ears plugged up and won't hear me, when you get down on your knees and start crying and squalling and spitting and snotting everywhere, I'm going to put my hands in my and I'm not going to hear You don't want to find yourself in that position when it comes to God and he done gave you access to him. You want to always keep your heart and your ears and your mind open to what he is trying to get through you, especially when it comes to this thing we're talking about, kindness. When he shows you an opportunity to be kind to somebody, you need to take it because you're an agent of kindness. And if you don't plug your ears up, he will bring people into your life that you can show kindness to. And that's all I want to do. I want to just inspire you to be God's agents of kindness. This is a good season. Everybody come out the woods during Thanksgiving and Christmas. Amen. But see, most of y'all in the woods looking for somebody to be kind to you. And I'm here to encourage you. Put somebody on your list right now. Today, when you leave here, just start writing down some names that you know you need to be kind to on your little Christmas list right now. That's how you take this lesson and apply it to your life and be an agent of somebody that, somebody that you hate, somebody that you thought you despise, somebody that you know... <laughs> You ain't gonna, you, you're not going to get a blessing by being kind to someone who's kind to you. That's why kindness and love run together. It's easy to love folk who love you, but can you love your, can you be kind to that person that's unkind and ungrateful toward? That's your assignment. That's your challenge. Go ahead and say, Lord, show me that person, that ungrateful rascal, that ungrateful you know, back in the day, they had a word for women. They called, you know, that, that little cow word, that ungrateful. You know, God has said, now that you know who she is, time for you to show some. You know, they got tests for everything else in the world. Every time they got these challenges, everybody to do this, this challenge, the drinking water challenge, to do this challenge. Well, this is the kindness. I wonder how many of y'all going to tweet that hashtag. I'm on my kindness assignment, hashtag. I'm an agent of kindness, and I'm calling kindness to somebody. Amen? Amen? The Lord was kind to you when he allowed Jesus to die for you when you weren't even worthy of the sacrifice. But because of his kindness and his love, he allowed his son to die for us. And the least that we could do is to be kind to someone else. Amen? Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Hallelujah. 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 Glory to God. Glory to God. God, make us agents of kindness, Lord. Let kindness rule in our hearts and our minds. Let us be kind to our neighbor as well as our loved ones and our friends. Every head bow and every eye closed.